Praise the Lord, saints. We're going to just worship with a simple chorus in preparation for the word. And uh, you may or may not know this. Uh, I took a risk and selected something we haven't sung today. It's called Jesus Draw Me Close. desire to worship and obey for your Bibles, if you can, turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. Two weeks ago, we started this message. Uh, I'll tell you right now, we're not going to finish it today, but we're going we're gonna to end at a good point to finish it, Lord willing, next Sunday. So we're talking about to love as Christ. 1 John 4. I'm going to start at verse number 7. And uh, this topic is rather inexhaustible. I mean, there's, you can talk about this until Jesus comes back. And we should never get tired of talking about it because love is the central, most important thing about our faith. God's love for us, our love back to him, and our love for one another and our love to the world around us. I've preached on this subject before in different ways. Uh, if you're new, uh, we're going through a verse-by-verse -verse study of First John. We happen to be in John chapter 4, starting at verse number 7 today. So in summary, the message could be summarized by saying, uh, God's, God's love, but love God and love people as Christ loves us. That's a summary of what this message is about. Love God, love people as 
Christ loves us. So I'm not going to uh, read the whole passage right now, but we're going to go through it verse by verse, so we'll break it down that way. Let me just pray real quickly. Father, we pray, Lord, that your word would speak to our hearts in a really positive way this morning. We welcome your Holy Spirit to teach us what we need to know. And um, we look forward, Lord, to how you will challenge us this day to be obedient to the things in your word. Lord, anoint me, anoint my lips and my mind and my spirit that I may bring forth the word of God in such a way that the body of Christ would be both challenged and edified. And you, Lord, would be absolutely glorified and happy with the proclamation of your word today. So we thank you for it, and we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. I wonder how many of you remember when, the, when you first felt or sensed or realized the love of God in your life. Does anyone remember the season or the day or the year? Yeah, a lot of us do. I do. I remember, absolutely. I, I can remember the, the season of my life, what led up to it. And although when it happened, I wasn't really sure what it was, but I found out later that was the love of God calling me out of the worldly way into his way. It was an awesome experience. You know, it, it, it was, if, you've, if you've been there, you know it was a very real and very emotional spiritual experience for all of us. And as, as we get into this study today, I, I, I want to, uh, so, so the summary is love God, love people as Christ loves us. But the, the question is, how do we do that? So hopefully through this message, we're going to get to how we can do that. So keep in mind, this is written by John the Apostle. Um, I love John the Apostle. Uh, this is someone that was changed by the love of God, the love of Christ. He was known in the Bible as one of the sons of thunder. Do you know that? He and his brother uh, James, James and John, were called the sons of thunder. They were called the sons of thunder because they were loud and aggressive. And one time in particular... They were upset because uh, the Samaritans were not welcoming to Jesus and them when they, they wanted to go through Samaria. And they said to Jesus, let's call down fire and brimstone upon Samaria. And Jesus sternly rebuked them and said, you don't know what you're talking about. We can't do that. We're not going to do that. But John is also uh, written in the word as someone whom Jesus loved. He's also written as the one who laid his head on the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper. So he was a, a rough individual, but he was also a, a gentle individual in some ways. But he was changed by Christ's love. He received Christ's love. He received the sacrifice of Christ. He received the teachings of Christ. And he was on a journey to become a pillar in the church of Christ. In Revelation 3.20 uh, we read that uh, the Lord spoke to the same John to say to the church of Laodicea, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up the door, I'll come in and dine with you, have fellowship with you. And, and the Lord is still knocking today on the hearts of men and women, asking, will you let me come in? He's not going to force himself onto anybody. The Lord is a gentleman in that way. He'll, he'll wait for the invite to come in. But if we receive his love, we're on an entirely new mission in life. 
Can I get an amen right there? If you really receive his love and you know that you're forgiven of your sins, you know that your past is wiped clean, the shame is taken away. When you realize that, you know that in your spirit person, not in your mind. I'm talking about in your spirit. When you receive that, your life takes on a whole different dimension. So that's what we're we're talking about today, to love as Christ has loved us. So we started uh, two weeks ago in verse number seven. Just want to highlight a few things, and uh, we're going to go verse by verse down to chapter five, verse three. But in chapter four, verse seven, he starts by by saying in this section, he says, beloved. I know I talked about it last time, but I just want to reiterate, he's talking to the church. He's talking to the born-again, blood-bought believer, the redeemed of the Lord, those who have received Christ. But I want to tell you something, that not every churchgoer is in the category of the beloved. I I was thinking about this this morning. I was thinking, Lord, should I say this? Or I don't want to be like, I don't want to be too heavy. And as I was thinking about it, I was scrolling through some news and some different things, and a very prominent minister that I respect was saying the same thing in his, uh, his, uh, his video for today, or I don't know if it was today, but a recent video. And what he was saying was, has the great apostasy happened? And to that I say, I, I think the great apostasy has happened. I think of Second Thessalonians 2, when, uh, when Paul said, there's going to be a great falling away, then the, the, the man of sin will be revealed. Well, man, when I think of the condition of the, the mainline church uh, system, who don't preach the word of God or believe in the word of God. I think the great apostasy has already happened. We read in, uh, in 2 uh, Timothy 3 that uh, in the last days, perilous times will come, and there will be some that have a form of godliness but deny the power of God. And so there are many people who will say that they're Christian people and even go by the name of minister or reverend, but they'll have a different doctrine or a different lifestyle or a different worldview that says otherwise. So when we read verse 7, we're, we're, we're speaking about the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ. And at the same time as the great apostasy, I will say this. The main line seems to be apostate. However, there is a grassroot thing growing in our country and all across the world. Born-again evangelical Christians are springing up all over the place. And if you take notice, there's little storefront churches and different fellowships all over the country that are happening. But as far as the main line, their doctrine is wrong, but the grassroots is happening. So he's saying in verse number seven, look, and John is saying, what he's not saying is, I was there at the Last Supper. I heard Jesus say, I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. All the world will know you're my disciples by how you love one another. And so he's saying in verse number seven, let's do what Jesus said to do. Beloved, let us love one another. And I I thought about it. I I would say, I bet there were some of those 12 apostles that had a problem loving Peter and all of his stuff that he brought to the table. I think the sons of thunder were kind of like Peter in a way. They were loud and aggressive. I think some of those, you know, some of those other apostles maybe had a problem. Thus, Jesus is saying, listen, this is a new commandment. You got to love each other. I think with the 70 that went out to preach that time, I think some of those 70 probably had some differences. I think the 120 in the upper room, I think they probably had some differences, let alone the 2000 on the day of Pentecost. But he says, you know, in spite of the differences, love one another. 
And he says in verse number seven, for love is of God. You could never do this on your own. You could never love people uh, the way I'm, I'm asking you to love people because of age, race, culture, language, whatever you want to say. But as you have the agape love of God in your heart, now love one another. I found an interesting verse as I was preparing for this. It's First uh, Thessalonians 4, 9. In that scripture, Paul writes to the church of Thessalonica, and he says, I don't have any reason to write to you about phileo, about brotherly love, because you have already received the agape love of God. And I said, wow, I never realized that. So if we receive the agape, and 1 John 4, 7 is talking about the agape, the sacrificial godly love. If we have that, that covers the phileo love. That's brotherly love. So if we have the agape love in our heart, it comes natural to love our brethren with a brotherly love. So the agape kind of gives us the capacity to love other people with phileo love. Are you with me? Because some of us may say, I can't love people like that. I wasn't brought up that way. You know what? It doesn't matter how you were brought up because you've been born again. Hello? You have a new father. You have a new relationship. You have a new spirit within you. So however we were brought up, I know there's some obstacles, but God has given us, you know, a spirit of love, and he expects us with that agape love to phileo love other people. Hallelujah. So verse number eight, oh, verse number seven, uh, it says, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Like a twofold sword here. We're born of God and we know God. And when we're born of God and we know God, and the one thing I found out about knowing God, the more we know God, the more we realize we need to know more of God. There's always more to know about God. The more you know, the more you realize you don't know anything. Because one thing always leads to another. It took me, just personally, when I started preaching some years ago, it took me a long time to narrow it down. Because I'd get into a topic, and that topic would take me there. That one would take me here, and that one would take me there. And I'd spend two hours trying to figure out, what do I want to talk about? But it's like, it's like so much with God. But anyway, if we're born of God, we know God. And in that, con- in that context, we're, we're called by God to love one another. Verse number eight, very important. He who does not love does not know God. For God is love. God's the source of love. We looked at uh, chapter 3, verse 14, where, where John writes, um, you know that you've passed from death to life by how you love the brethren. That's an awesome, powerful statement. So you could say, oh, I'm born again. I'm spirit-filled, but I can't stand that guy. No, that doesn't wash that way. Sorry, but if you're, if you're born of God, if, if, you, if the love of God is in you and you know God, you will automatically have a burden to love one another. Verse number seven, I, I call it my, my, my Merry Christmas verse. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us that God sent his son, his only begotten son, into the world that we might live through him. And all the scriptures pertaining to Christmas, God gave us his very best I think of what, what Paul wrote in Galatians 2.20, because that verse says uh, that we might live through him. Think about it. 
He sent his son that we might live through him. He didn't just send his son to forgive us of our sins. He did that, absolutely. But now that that's done, he gave his son that we might live through him. Hello? So our life is no longer our own. That's what Paul said. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And, and, and he, and now that I live, I live my life in the flesh, it's because of the one who came who loved me and gave his life for me. So this Christmas verse, he gave his son that we would be forgiven of sin and then that we would live our lives accordingly. I love that. Verse number 10 continues. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, that's a big word. God loves, loved us so much. He loved us first. And he sent Jesus to be the, the sacrifice, the atoning work, the delivering person that would get us off the hook to pay the price for our sin. He loved us that much to send Jesus to, to forgive us and cleanse us and empower us to live a godly life for him. Are you, are you, are you following this? So, beloved, verse number seven, love one another. Listen, you, you can't wait for the pastor to do it. The pastor has to do it. But let's, let's say we're, nobody's a pastor right now. We're just flat-out Christian people. We're all Christian people. We're called to love one another because every one of us has a deposit of God's love in our heart. That's what makes us different. That's what makes us unique in a way. It makes us different than people in the world. We, have, we all have the love of God. I think we could probably have a case for uh, arguing uh, or debating how, how much love do we have of God. I think it depends on how much we allow God, how much we allow God's love to come into our lives. In other words, we we are the we are the the force that determines how much of God we'll have. If you want more of God, He's not going to hide Himself from you. Right? So if you want God, he's going to give you more of God. If you want his love, he will give you more of his love. If you feel like you need more of his love, guess what? He's got a whole lot of it ready to give to you. So he's looking for someone to surrender and to yield to him. Okay, verses 11 through 22, I, I call this the ought to verses. Uh, look at verse number 11. Beloved, again, beloved. If God so loved us, and he did, we also ought to love one another. And what John is saying behind the scenes is, let's fulfill what Jesus told me. I was there personally. John 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. If God so loved us, and he did so love us, we ought to love one another. We ought to do it. It's a new commandment. Let's do this. We can do this. Verse number 12, very important verse of Scripture. He says, no one has seen God at any time. John wrote the same thing in his gospel in John chapter 1, verse 18. He says, no one has seen God at any time, but Jesus, who is in the bosom of the Father, has declared him. That's John 1, 18. So no one has seen God at any time, but he says in verse number 12, if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. So no one has seen God, but people see God through the love of God operating in his church, working, moving, residing. 
reveals the heart of God through his church. You know my story with my friend Lenny. I didn't know what was going on other than he, he was telling me the truth of the word. And through Lenny, I realized there's a great love that God was using through Lenny to reach my heart. We started going to a church many years ago. I didn't know what was going on. All I know is that people greeted us, loved on us, smiled at us, accepted us, you know, taught us and encouraged us. It was the love of God working in that church. I didn't see God. I saw God through the people. And that's, that, that story continues to this very day. People will see God through me and you, through the body of Christ. So we see in verse number 12, no one has seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. Perfected, displayed, manifested in us. As we love one another, Jesus said, love one another, that all will know that you're my disciples. You ever notice Jesus was always concerned about not only the church, but how the church would be perceived by others. Because the church represents him. He wants a good representation of his love to the world around us. Verse number 13. By this, by this dynamic of God's love in our hearts, God's love in his church, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So we know that we're abiding in him by the love that we have for one another. How else could we tell? Again, 1 John three fourteen. We know that we've passed from death to life, from the old man to the new man, by how we love one another. And how does this happen? Verse number 13. It happens by a work of the Holy Spirit. Let's not discount the work of the Holy Spirit here. Because the Holy Spirit brings us to a place of understanding and realization. It's not our strength. It's not our doing. It's God working in us and working through us. We see in uh, verse 13, the love of God, the Spirit of God abiding within us. And, and we're born again by the Holy Spirit, right? John 3, 3. We can't be born again without the Holy Spirit. We have a deposit of his Spirit within us. So verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he abides in us because he has given us of his Spirit. We can discern the love of God at work within us. In John chapter 14, Jesus said to his followers, he said, I'm going away, but I'm going to give you another helper. And we know that Jesus continues to make intercession for us now. But he said, I'm going to give you another helper, the Holy Spirit. The world can't receive this helper. Only the redeemed of the Lord can receive this helper. So the Holy Spirit is in us at salvation. The Holy Spirit is walking alongside of us, the parakletos, as we walk in faith. And the Holy Spirit comes upon us when we're baptized in his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is always at work in his church. God's love, God's spirit, God's heart working through the the body of Christ in these days. That's verse 13. Verse number 14, John gets into a little personal testimony here. He says, "We we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. John's personal note. I've seen it, and I testify to this. He says the first thing in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. He says, what, what we've seen and what we heard, we declare to you so that your joy might be filled. 
So there's no doubt in verse number 14, Jesus Christ is the Savior. Just to paraphrase what John is saying, I've seen him. I've heard him. I saw his miracles. I saw his works. I saw his compassion for people. I saw his wisdom. I saw his, I saw, I was there for the Sermon on the Mount, for goodness sake. I was, I saw the five loaves and the two fish be multiplied to feed the 5,000. I, I, I was there at the Transfiguration. I was there at Gethsemane. I was there at Calvary. Jesus told me to take care of his mother, for goodness sake. I was there at the empty tomb. I was there when he went to glory, when he ascended. I was there on the day of Pentecost when Jesus was there. The Holy Spirit was moving powerfully. And so this is John's personal testimony. What he's saying, he knows is true. Point being, do you know, do you have something to say about God? Can you give a testimony? Can you tell somebody, I know that I know that I know that God is real. Let me tell you a little bit about my life. Let me tell you how God delivered me or helped me or worked this out or did something. But do you have a testimony? John says, I, I've seen it and I testify. But in verse number 15, he kind of he kind of goes into another thing. He says, look, paraphrase verse number 15. I'm not the only one. We original witnesses, we're not the only ones. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he abides in God. So this is true. Whatever, whatever John is saying, I have my personal experiences, John is saying, but whoever confesses, believes in God and confesses God has the same opportunity to enjoy the presence of God and enjoy this love of God that he has for all of us. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. John three sixteen. for whosoever will believe. So verse 15 says, look, what, what I have, it's available for everybody. And what he might be saying here is, he's writing to the church, beloved, you, you may not have realized this, but you're, you're in the same boat as I'm in. Just because you weren't there when Jesus was alive doesn't mean you don't get it. You get it. When you came to Christ for salvation, he imparted into you the love of God. You, don't ha- you didn't have to be there like I was there, John is saying. So there may be some in the church that don't, don't, don't get this yet. Then in verse 16, he continues. We have known and, and believed the love that God has for us. Again, we've known it. We believed it. God is love. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. He just goes on. John is testifying. Uh, and I love this because John is like, you know, he's one of the sons of thunder. Uh, he, he's, he's speaking on behalf of what? Doubting Thomas, uh, quick-tempered Peter, the persecutor Paul. All these people in the Bible that have ter- terrible backgrounds, but they've all been touched and changed by the love of God. Paul went from hating Christians to being one and loving Christians. And what John is saying in verse 16, we've known, we believed all this. God, God is, you know, his love is for all of us. And when God intervenes in your life, your life changes. You're no longer destined to be who you used to be. You have a different quality about you. Now, verses 17 and 18, in my, in my way, I would never have put it this way. Because I'm thinking, what, what is John leading up to? Well, if you have love in the church, <clears throat> you know, everyone realizes who they are in Christ. Everyone's growing in Christ and maturing in the Lord. 
But, but let me tell you, verse number 7 never expires. You know what I mean? Verse number 7 continues until Jesus comes back. Yeah, everyone get that? Beloved, love one another for love is of God. That doesn't, like, let's do this until June 1st, you know? No, this continues until Jesus comes back. So how do you know? It says in verse number 17, love has been perfected among us like this. Then he tells us how, how love being perfected is, is demonstrated. It's not by achieving verse number 7. I, I have to say it. Because we'll always be striving to love one another. It's part of human nature. But that's what God wants. He wants us to strive He wants us to be determined to work on it, to work through issues, to trust him to work through issues. So I'm thinking, okay, perfect love is going to be demonstrated by, how about a perfect church? How about healings in the church? How about love in the body of Christ? How about no more arguments or no more disagreements in the body of Christ? Not even close. What he says in verse 17 is, you'll know that you, you, you perfected this love because when you stand before the judgment of God, you won't be living in fear. Because as he, as, he, as he was on the earth, so are you. In other words, you're doing the work of God. So when you get over here, you don't have to live in fear of being judged and condemned because you know you've been doing the right thing. That's how you will know that love has been perfected in your life and in your church. So that, that is a, an amazing thing because now you don't have to, this, this actually takes me, takes us off the hook. You hear my heart? We don't have to worry about being the biggest and the richest and the most vocal and the most prominent. What we have to worry about is being the most loving. And we could all do that. You see what I mean? So uh, in, in the worldly system, sometimes the church has a different mindset that we have to be on the top when actually all we really need to do is love each other. And there may be a small fellowship, a group of people, small church, that has the greatest amount of love. So being bigger, being stronger, being most vocal or whatever, doing the most things is not necessarily an indicator of being the right church. So verse 17, I just want to look at this. I call this the litmus test. Love has been perfected among us like this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we are in this world. That, that is such a powerful verse. We, we'll know that love is perfected when we know in our heart of hearts we're okay because we're doing what God wants us to do. As he is, so are we in this world. In verse number 7, like I said, it's a life goal. It's something we always contend for. And so verse number 17, that love is perfected, uh, that we have judgment in the day, uh, we, we have boldness in the day of judgment. And so John, John is, listen, he's going from here to there, which brings up a question. How do you feel about judgment day? How do you feel about eternity? How do you feel about what's going on? You know, do you have a confidence? Are you doing what God has called us to do? See, that's the question. So have we been his heart? Have we been his hands or his feet or his ears or his eyes extended to the world around us as well as to the, the church within us? That's a whole other story. We, we may do good on the outside. Let's do good on the inside. What do I mean? There may be people in the church that are Christian people that are 
distraught, anxious, worried, troubled. All they want is somebody to talk to. We had a great devotional the other night at the men's Zoom meeting. Uh, Pastor Bill Unger gave a, a word. What a great word it was. I never saw it this way. But when those two disciples were on their way to Emmaus, if you know the story, after Jesus was crucified, they didn't know he arose. They were dejected. They were worried. They were confused. They were hearing different stories. They, all they needed was somebody to talk to. And when Jesus came alongside of them, what did he do? He talked to them. He said, what's on your mind? Why are you so distraught? What a great question. And people, Christian people, are coming to churches. All they want is for someone to say, how are you doing? And we got into a thing at that men's Bible study. Let me share this really quickly, and I won't uh, elaborate on it too much. But some of you know my story. When I was 16, my 19-year-old brother was killed in a car accident. Terrible situation. I mean, my family was devastated. But for 10 years, looking back on it, I, I think, why didn't anybody ask me how I was doing? In those days, you didn't go to counseling when you have a tragedy. Now you do. But in those days, you just deal with it. And I think, man, why didn't someone say, hey, Rick, how are you doing with that? Why didn't a, a teacher or a counselor, somebody, just somebody to talk to? It took me 10 years to figure it out, and in 10 years, that's when I accepted Jesus as my Lord, and then I really got that figured out. I'm just saying, people are coming into the church. All they want to do is talk to somebody. And they may not feel comfortable talking to the pastor, so guess who's next in line? You. <laughs> They'll get to the pastor sooner or later, but, you know, sometimes it's too intimidating for whatever reason. But anyway, um, so anyway, where did I go with all that? Verse number 18, it says, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Didn't Paul tell Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So if we have fear, thinking about judgment day, he's, he's saying in verse number 18, just maybe love has not been perfected in you. You're not getting it yet. Which brings me to another subject. How do you feel about the rapture? I know I've been talking a lot about it lately. I can't help it. I had a conversation with my mom this week, went down to New York to see her. And I said, Mom, a lot of things are happening. You know, Jesus could be coming soon. And she said, you know, uh, these things have been happening for a long time. You know, I heard about this all my life. I said, Mom, it's true, but they haven't been happening like they're happening now. Like a mother having birth pains and contractions and getting closer and closer, then the baby comes. And she said, yeah, you're probably right. There, there are things happening. But how do you feel about the rapture? Are you ready to go? I'm ready to go, man. I, I'm out of here. I, I mean, my only thing is, Lord, save so-and-so and so-and-so, but that's in God's hands. But how do you feel about eternity? Does, he, does eternity bring you fear? Or judgment, does that bring you fear? See, we shouldn't be living in fear. What did Paul say to the Thessalonians when he talked about the rapture? He said, yeah, you know, the, the dead will rise first. We who remain will be caught up together to be with the Lord. Therefore, he said, comfort one another with these words. Let it be a comforting thing. We're going to be raptured, church. We should be excited about the rapture. But that means we have to be ready for the rapture. If you're not ready for the rapture, you better get ready. It's going to happen. 
With all the stuff going on, I heard about the tsunami yesterday. I said, oh, my goodness, here's another thing. Heard about the synagogue out west being besieged by some maniac people. Violence everywhere. There's so much going on. I said it before. We would have to be, I don't know, we'd have to be like insane not to think that God's speaking to us through all of this. The, the pandemic, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You add that to everything else, and you have a situation where, Lord, come quickly. And he just might. He just might. So how do you feel about all those things? We're covered, the, the phrase covered by the blood. You know, like the household in the Old Testament was covered by the blood of the lamb, and the death angel passed over the house. Well, when we're covered by the blood, death passes over us. So we look forward to the rapture. We look forward to uh, eternity. We look forward to judgment. Not a judgment for uh, salvation, but a judgment of good works for the, in the kingdom of God. We should look forward to those things. So let me try to wrap this up a little bit here. So 17, 18, verse 19, short and sweet and to the point. We love him because he first loved us. If you can't memorize that scripture, then there's something wrong. Memorize that scripture. He loved us. We, 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 I just messed it up. <laughs> we love him because he first loved us. <laughs> we love him because he, someone says, oh, I've known, I've known the Lord all my life. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He loved you first. He loved you first. We love him because he first loved us. You know, when you get discouraged, go back and think about the time when Jesus' love broke through your life and your situation. And you may not even known what was going on, but you knew something was going on. And looking back on it, you know that was God's love breaking into my life, into my heart. He loved us first, so we love him back. That's the way it is, and that's the way it will always be. He loved us first. Verse number 20, verse 20 and 21, just kind of put them together. If somebody's, now remember John, right? He's one of the sons of thunder. I, 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 like, I have a new appreciation for John. He reminds me of a guy like, like he was a tough, not a tough, he was like rough. And every now and then he says things that are like, John, do you really have to say that? But, I mean, he says like, if someone says I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. I mean, come on, get in my face a little bit. Well, this is the sons of thunder. He's going to tell you exactly what it is. You say you love God and hate somebody, I mean, you're a liar. Only a son of thunder could get away with that. Maybe Peter. You know what I mean? I don't think Paul talked like that, or Luke, or the others, but, but John and, and, uh, and Peter, you know, they, they were tough guys. But they've been touched by the presence of God, and they're going to tell it exactly the way it is. In fact, look, look with me in chapter 1 real quick. Just a little detour here. John, John, 1 John 1, uh, verse, eight, verse 6 says, If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and don't practice the truth. Verse 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, we're lying, and the truth is not in us. Verse 10 says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. 2.4 two, says, he who says, I know God does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But he's, still, he's calling people out. But you can't say you love God and hate your brother. You're a liar if you say that. I didn't say it. John said it, but I did say it. But I'm saying what John said. <laughs> So, so you can't do that. You know, so he said, verse 20, 
He who does not love his brother whom he has seen, I'll just put my little two cents in. How in the world can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Can I just talk about the commandments for a minute? Because I always thought commandments were like in Moses' day. Hello? And now I'm reading, we have to follow commandments. Well, there's a little explanation. He's talking about the law of Christ. You know, when we come into a relationship with Christ, it's not like the Ten Commandments where we're judged by how we keep them, but we're following the law of Christ, which is to love God and love people. Galatians 6.2 says, Fulfill the law of Christ and bear your brother's burdens. You know, someone may say, I, I can't bear that guy's burden yet. Well, you better. Someone may have to bear your burdens one of these days. Then what are you going to do? 1 Corinthians 9.21 says, Fulfill the law of Christ and, and win those that are without the law, meaning reach out to the Gentile world, but fulfill the law of Christ by being evangelical. It's a law. It's like... Not like a Ten Commandment law, but it's, a, it's something to do. It's a commandment. It, it, we're living in this, this realm of obedience to God. And this is what we do to stay on track with God. We follow the law of Christ. I love that. I love that. So let, let's just wrap this up, uh, chapter 5. Chapter 5, verses 1, 2, and 3 kind of summarize the, the previous verses. Whoever believes that Jesus is... The Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. So if you're born again, you're begotten of God. And if you're begotten of God, you love other people whom he begot. (laughs) You get that? It sounds a little bit like King James, but it's not. I don't know what it is, but, you know, he gave his only begotten son that we could be begotten by him. But now that we're begotten by him, we have to love those who are begotten by him as well. Because everyone has a story. Everyone has a testimony. Everyone, is, everyone who follows Jesus has a life story that they could tell you brought them up to that point where they received Christ. Everybody. So, okay. Verse number two. By this we know that we love the children of God so here, he, he, these, these absolute statements that Son of Thunder makes, this we know, that, this is how we know we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments, that word again. Wow. Never thought of it like that. But we're living in grace, but we have commandments to follow. Love people, love God, love people, you know. Verse number three says, this is, this is the love of God. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. They're doable. They're not overwhelming. They're do- and when we do them, oh, when we follow this, guess what? We prosper. We're blessed. You know, we're in the graces of God the way he wants us to be. So it's not a burden to carry. It's a love to, to go after God in this way. Jesus said in Matthew 11, uh, take, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you. It's not heavy, it's, it's light. Jesus said in John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. 
So as we follow that rule of thumb, stay in the commandments, stay in the law of Christ. We're in that realm, we're in that, in that space where God's love is being manifested in us and through us so that we can love the unlovable. And let me put another PS on that. So that the others can love us when we're unlovable. And guess what? Often we're unlovable. Well, I'm unlovable. I, I, I pray, Lord, give Pam agape toward me. And he's faithful. <laughs> and, and same thing with all of us. Lord, give that person some agape. You know, Lord, give me some agape for that person. That would be a better, better way to say it. So, um, yeah, if you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. And that 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, I'll say it again. Regarding phileo, brotherly love, I don't need to tell you anything. Because when you receive Christ as your Savior, you got a heavy portion of the agape of God. The agape of God overpowers the phileo that he's calling us to live under. So live in the agape of God. You'll take care of the phileo. I would say also for a married couple, let, let the agape love of God be in your love relationship with your husband or wife because that will overcome the eros love as well. We have the agape overcomes all the other types of love. So abide in the true love of God. true it's true agape so this morning i got up and i I said lord i don't know about this message (laughs) he said preach the word of god and i felt the lord say you know what just love people the way i've loved you love people that's been my motto and my theme the whole time. So I want to encourage you to just love God enough that his love is real to you. What, what I mean is, yeah, but you have to be honest with yourself. How could God love, I think, how could God love me? I know me. I know me more than anybody knows me. But I know that God loves me. I know that. I don't understand it. But if I got that, it helps me to love other people that I don't understand. So, to love is Christ. Next week, hopefully, <laughs> we'll have some things to, like, a couple of things to really think about to tie this message up. So make sure you come back next week. And on live stream, come back next week as well. Why don't we stand together, and uh, we're going to close out in prayer. I was thinking of uh, love. I didn't do any research on it, but there must be thousands of songs with the word love in it. You know? It's such a strong emotion. But verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Go to the source. Get his love. You'll be able to love one another.
love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God all my life and all my life you have been faithful Jesus and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am able I will sing of the, the goodness, goodness of God. God. Come on, I love your voice. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a I have lived in, in the, the goodness, goodness of God. God all my life. And all my life you have been faithful. Thank you, Lord. And all my life you have been so, so Goodness is running. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after.
Every head bowed for just a moment. Is there anyone here this morning, if you're online, write a note on the comments that you need to receive this goodness from God. You need to receive salvation from God. Raise your hand if that's you in here. Write me a note on the, on the live stream. Secondly, you may know someone that needs to know about the goodness of God, and God is commissioning you to tell them about it. Can anyone think of someone in your life that needs to know about the goodness of God? Man, my hand is up. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your love, your mercy. Oh, it's an understatement, but thank you for your love and your mercy, oh God. Your love, your agape love, unconditional, sacrificial love that you poured out upon us day after day after day. Thank you for your mercy and your grace that's new every single morning, oh God. Lord, help us to walk in that good place. Help us to walk in the goodness of God. And Lord, help us also to be ready to tell somebody about the goodness of God. It could be a relative. It could be a brother or sister, a son or daughter, a mother or father, a cousin or aunt or uncle, a friend, a co-worker, somebody, somebody we meet in town. It could be a divine appointment with someone we don't even know. But let us be ready to tell somebody about the goodness of God. Father, let agape reign in our hearts. Let agape reign in our hearts and let agape reign in your church and let your, let your agape reign in this particular fellowship, oh God. That when people come in and people meet us somewhere, they know there's something different because of the love, not our head knowledge, not our fancy words, but our love for you and our love for people. Let that be our testimony. So, Lord, may your blessing be upon us now as we go. Let us leave with a fresh uh, purpose and anointing to be obedient to the commandments, the law of Christ. And, Lord, bless our week of prayer and fasting. Let it be a great week of drawing yeah. close to you. Thank Let us you, see Jesus. miracles. Like Let us see people get healed this week of COVID and pneumonia and cancer. Let us see marriages Thank healed you, and restored yes, and made right. Let us see young Lord people, God. children, Thank come you, to Father. know you as Lord and Savior. Let us see the goodness of God poured out, oh God. Let us see it with our own eyes. Let us see like John and say, I've seen the goodness of God. Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for this. Thank you for a good time in your house today. May your blessing be upon us as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Doug, you want to sing that through a little bit? Keep singing it. Well, you're free to go. If you need prayer time, the altars are open. Uh, so God bless you. I'll see you tonight on live stream at 6. so, so good, with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God.